Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock, look at the view from the top, researching rookies a lot, no, I just be listening to pods, yeah, one in particular, I'm just a messenger, let me just pass on the rock, browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing, what he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things, and there's Dennis the Bennett, yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, cultured in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round Table. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is Monday. I've got Dennis and Matt here with me. July 5th, the kickoff of the Scott Fishbowl. Scott Fishbowl 11, to be exact, which we are all excited about. We are talking about the NFC North today. We're talking about the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears. Uh, that's right, Dennis there rocking his Jimmy Buffett-esque shirt as he's in the Jimmy Buffett division with Matthew Berry. I am sure we will talk probably at least a little bit of Dennis's pick because it sounds like we might have a shot that we get to his pick at some point. Me and Matt are a little bit later into the draft, so I don't know if we're going to get to either one of our picks. But before we jump into talking about the Packers, Bears, and possibly some Scott Fish Bowl 11. How are you gentlemen doing on this beautiful Monday? I am doing outstanding. Uh, we will get to discuss my pick I just made. Um, it's been a heck of a weekend so far. Went to the drive-in last night. Got home about 2.30 in the morning after seeing my very first uh, Fast and Furious movie, uh, F9. Uh, so there's nothing like a Fiero in space. Uh, and watch Nobody is the second movie in the, the double header, which I really enjoyed. Um, so that was fun. But we just saw my draft start off uh, Kelsey and Mahomes and really throw my, uh, I guess, throw my strategy out the window because McCaffrey was there. And so I, I don't know how you don't take Christian McCaffrey at 103 if he falls to you. I fully expected it to go Mahomes and McCaffrey. Um, and as much as I get the tight end premium stuff, 
when I did the mock drafts and I did a bunch of mocks and I looked at ADP a ton, um, I just didn't like any of the teams I built taking Kelsey at three. So I was going quarterback at three uh, from the get-go because I fully expected McCaffrey to be gone. So McCaffrey's there, and uh, now it's time to pivot, as the kids all say in the boardroom. Yeah, you just got to hope you get more than uh, three games out of McCaffrey <laughs> this year. Well, I did perfectly good with him last year, uh, missing all those games and not making the playoffs. So, you know, what's, what's one more in you? There you go. You got to roll right again. Yeah, it's been – yesterday was uh, fun uh, working for a church uh, – it doesn't matter that it's the 4th of July. If it's Sunday, you're reporting to work. We also had a special event. So I was in there from 6.15 to 4.30, rolled home, fired up the grill. Uh, and we, we, as Matt knows, we live right next to uh, the Army base. So we're outside of our city limits. Safe and sane fireworks are legal. So I got some of those, and we were setting them off. And then once dark descended, we just waited for the shelling. Um it's it reminded me of uh you know when you're in those movies and you see like a war zone where you just see lights tracing over there was smoke all over you know off of our deck we're looking out and there's smoke like everywhere and there was huge canisters rocking the foundation of our house so definitely we got an incredible fireworks show as always for free without leaving our house that is awesome yeah my brother was watching that from the uh the the zoo he works at the, the mm-hmm. zoo. I saw him post a picture about how he uh, he's like one of the best seats in the house. And he was like posted up somewhere in the zoo and getting ready for the show. So, yeah, I mean, we, we got a chance to take the kids fireworks yesterday. It was a lot of fun. Went out on the lake, watched them shooting off right above us. And then our dogs got out. So spent until about 2.30 in the morning trying to find our dogs this morning. So been a fun, fun, fun July 4th. Great way to great way to spend the holiday. But we are here to talk about the Packers and the Bears, and we're kicking it off with the Green Bay Packers as they won the NFC North last year. They finished 13-3 and and in first place. They lost 31-23 to in the NFC Championship game to the Buccaneers, as we all know with the very controversial call there made by Matt LaFleur, got it right this time, uh, about not going for it down in the red zone, having Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. Key additions, they added Blake Bortles as their quarterback, their key losses. Jamal Williams goes to the Lions. Corey Lindsley goes to the Chargers. And their draft picks, they take cornerback Eric Stokes in the first round, center Josh Myers in the second, and Amari Rodgers, the wide receiver, in the third. The elephant in camp is Aaron Rodgers. Is he back in 2021, Dennis? And if so, how far can they go? Well, he didn't opt out on the COVID deadline, uh, so he didn't opt out for that. Is there still a chance he holds out? Yeah, I think so, but I, I'm pretty comfortable. Um, I'm not going to slide him too far down my rankings. Let's see. For my redraft rankings, I have him at six. And so I think that – I think he's going to play – He's, you know, he's Aaron Rodgers. I know he doesn't need the money, but yes, he likes to win. And I mean, at some point, he's he's gonna walk away. Um, I don't think he walks away in this fashion. I don't think he wants to walk away in a uh, in, in a firestorm, for lack of a better term. But I also don't get the impression that uh, it would 
it would uh, make so him excited. feel like he's on the bed. Yeah, did I freeze again? Yeah. He got so excited, he got choked up there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think he's coming back. I, 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 I'm pretty confident that he's. I'm pretty comfortable. Uh, I don't have any, if I had insiders, I'd probably feel confident. Uh, I don't have any insiders, so I feel comfortable uh, that Rodgers will be back and he'll be playing for the Packers. Yeah, we've seen them go to the NFC Championship game two years in a row. Their team didn't get demonstrably worse. So if if Rodgers is there, you would figure they're a pretty safe bet to be atop the North, uh, and they're probably pretty safe bet to make a playoff run. We talked about when we were talking about Denver on Thursday. I I don't think Aaron Rodgers gets traded because I think the yeah. way where Green Bay's at right now, it savages their cap this year, and I think a lot of teams think about that whole moving on from your superstar a little bit differently after they saw what the Patriots went through last year, watching Tom Brady walk down to Tampa Bay and hoist a trophy. All the places Rodgers has talked about wanting to go are places where he has somewhat of a decent shot to be in the same position. I don't think they want to see that. I don't think we'll see Rodgers at training camp. I don't think we'll really see him much in the preseason. I wouldn't be surprised if he sits out a game or two, but ultimately I think he ends up back in Green Bay starting. I, like Dennis, have not dropped him very far. I still have him inside my top ten because I think he's going to play – for Green Bay, and he's going to be good for Green Bay. Yeah, I, I do think he's going to play as well, and some of that is just hoping as well. I, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is I've, – I've stated many a times, I've said a lot of Brady fans, and, you know, I, I think Rodgers is the best quarterback I've ever seen play. And I don't mean that as disrespect to Brady because of what he's done. He's definitely the greatest of all time with the championships he's won but Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback I've ever seen play at least or at least until Mahomes came along Mahomes might end up being that but it's too early in my opinion to say that so I hope he plays obviously just for the Green Bay Packers as well I mean they are a much different team a very dangerous team when he is there and playing so I would love to see Rodgers back with the Packers and playing this year uh fantasy finishes and fantasy projections uh, Rodgers was MVP in 2020. Uh, where does he finish in 2021? You both kind of talked about where you had him in your rankings. Uh, Rodgers finishes QB three last year for fantasy, 4,299 yards and 48 touchdowns, five interceptions, 149 rushing yards and three touchdowns. I, much like you two, uh, have him right inside the top 10. I believe my early go at the rankings, I have him at seven. So, not too far off, a couple spots down from three, but I also think we're going to see Lamar Jackson bounce back a little bit. You're going to have Dak Prescott back fully healthy, hopefully. Uh, and so I think some of those guys will jump up, push him down just a couple spots. So the one thing that not a lot of people are talking about is Jordan Love. If Rodgers doesn't come back, Matt, where do you see – how good do you see Jordan Love possibly being and what does he do for you in fantasy and possibly the team around him if he is the starter? Yeah, we, of course, got zero sample size from Love. I think that's one of the reasons I actually am kind of hoping Rodgers isn't back for the beginning of preseason because it would be nice to get a look uh, to see what they have. I think the Packers would be fine with that too or probably just as curious as the rest of us. Even if it's Jordan Love, you're not – I'm personally not dropping Devontae Adams or Aaron Jones out of – 
you know, top 12 status at their positions. I think they're good enough that they can go over that. The ancillary players, possibly a Robert Tanyan, who did a lot of his on incredible efficiency and touchdowns with Rodgers, I would slide down. Um, I think Jordan Love could be fine. We just, we really don't know. I wouldn't put him higher than QB2 if I thought he was... um, he was going to be a starter and probably kind of lower end at that because there's always going to be growing pains. And while they have some incredible stars at a couple of these positions, they don't have the most incredible. It's not like they have top to bottom an incredible receiving core. They have an incredible Devonte Adams and then some other yeah. guys. Yeah. You're muted, Dennis. If love plays, then, you know, we saw Teddy Bridgewater be QB 19 and support three top 25 wide receivers. So Devontae Adams, um, you know, I don't think love, I wouldn't expect much more out of love than I did Teddy Bridgewater. They'll scale back the offense. Even though he's been there a year, it's not going to be as open. So to expect anything more than maybe a QB 16, uh, which I think would be, if, if you got QB 16 out of Jordan Love, Next year, I think you'd be ecstatic. But I think you're looking probably more at a ceiling of about 18 to 20 um, and probably a floor of about 26 or 28. And I think uh, Adam still maintains his status as a wide receiver one there because he's the show. So he'll still get his. Uh, I agree with you, Matt, that that, uh, Tanyan will probably suffer some. Definitely MVS will suffer, Alan Lazard will suffer, uh, who's Amari Rogers, who Kevin Funches. Yeah, I'm already not terribly high on Rogers' prospects this year, anyways. So it, I think you know the winner if Love starts all season is probably AJ Dillon. Interesting. So I, I just think if Dillon will get more, I think Dillon gets more carries. I don't expect there to be a, uh, a a big shift in what happens. Uh, what, Williams had 120 carries last year, and A.J. Dillon had 46. I think Dillon absorbs most of those uh, Jamal Williams carries, so he goes up to 130. Uh, Aaron Jones probably goes up to 215, 220. Uh, you know, for as much as we like to talk about Dylan being, or not Dylan, uh, uh, Jamal Williams being this, you know, passing down guy, tons of receptions and whatnot, he only had 35 targets last year. You know, he caught 31 of them, but, you know, only 7.6 yards per reception, which was the same as Aaron Jones. So I, I, I don't, I, I feel like Dylan gains just because he, he ends up with more volume. Uh, Overall, Jordan Love, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not – if I draft Rodgers, I'm not looking to draft Jordan Love as a hedge. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you guys on Love. He, he's probably low-end RB, RB2, QB2 if you're lucky. Uh, I, do, I do agree with what Dennis said. I don't think Adams goes anywhere. You know, a lot of people may not remember how good he did with – I think it was Brett Hundley was the backup quarterback when uh, – when Rodgers got hurt, he still put up wide receiver one numbers. Now, I don't know if he's wide receiver one overall, uh, like most of them have him if Rodgers is there, but I don't see him falling out of the top 12. 
Um, I definitely could see what Dennis is saying and AJ Dillon and maybe Aaron Jones getting a lot more work because they don't, they're not going to have Jordan Love throwing the ball as much as Rodgers. But Love, you know, he had one really good season in college at Utah State. Then the year after, he really kind of struggled. So it's kind of hard to know which one is really him. Is he the guy that struggled or that guy that had that amazing year again, Utah State? I. Off the top of my head, I mean, I don't remember their schedule. That was a couple of years ago now at this point. But I'm, I don't remember them playing a whole lot of really good defenses. So there's definitely some interesting factors, though, to his game. He can throw it off platform, can throw it through multiple windows, can run. He uses his legs. So, I mean, I did not do this, but a lot of people very poorly comped him to Patrick Mahomes. He is not Patrick Mahomes. He's not even a poor man's Patrick Mahomes. But – he, he does have some tools, and if they were help, hopefully able to develop them a little bit, I agree with Matt. I'd love to see him in the preseason just to kind of see what they have in him might help. You know, if you're a Devontae Adams, uh, you know, if you have stock in Devontae Adams like I do in a couple places, might make me feel a little bit better if I could see Jordan Love go out there and produce a little bit in the preseason game. I don't know. I just knocked something over. Sorry. But, uh, yeah. I mean, because of last year, there was no preseason, and he never got on the field. So he's one of the rare people that could end up a starting quarterback that we've actually never seen throw a professional pass. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun. It, well, I'm really interested to see because Dennis just brought up the uh, you're not taking Jordan Love to hedge Aaron Rodgers. I'm curious to see if Jordan Love goes in Scott Fishbowl 11 dress and when he goes, if it may be no, a couple of rounds earlier than most people would take him just in case because some people think they might be a little bit sneaky in getting him in case Aaron Rodgers doesn't start. I've done a couple of dynasty startups in the last month and his he's coming up. I took Aaron Rodgers in both um, and in one of them I went I went back and got love Uh to hedge just in case because of super flex in one of them I wasn't fast enough. He went in like the eighth round. So I think there is a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, I know. I was I wasn't willing to go at that point. Oh yeah, I wouldn't either. But now, yeah. There's a lot of uncertainty going on, and there are a lot of people that are on the Jordan Love hype train. Yeah, I mean, like I said, if if you go back type in Jordan Love, you're gonna find the articles to say he's the next Patrick Mahomes. And so, you know, it's then there was the guy in the last round of that dynasty startup that just saw a Jay Love available, not realizing it was Josh Love, and drafted yeah. him. And immediately I'm like, did you think that was Jordan Love? I did. You probably did. Yeah. All right, Aaron Jones. Let's see here. Aaron Jones re-signed, and he's been a top five running back the past two seasons. Does that continue, and what will we see from A.J. Dillon? Jones finished as RB5 last year with 201 carries, 1,104 yards, nine touchdowns, 47 receptions for 355 yards and two touchdowns. A.J. Dillon finishes RB84 with 46 carries, 242 yards, two touchdowns, two receptions for 21 yards. Matt, how do you see this backfield shaking out? So I still have Jones as an RB1. Uh, In my first pass, I had him at running back eight. Um, I do think, uh, like Dennis talked about, that A.J. Dillon is going to kind of come up. Um, I just don't think, you know, we, we saw Jamal Williams pretty much consistently in that, 
you know, 33 to 40 uh, range because of his rushing and receiving. I think Dylan might end up getting more rushing work than we expected, but I don't see him as big of a receiver. I currently have him at running back 39. I think he will step into that complimentary role and will be more productive than he was last year, but I don't see him. There are some people that had thought, you know, he was going to take over and be the guy. Even after Aaron Jones re-signed, I just don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to be a power rushing weapon. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a few TDs, get some red zone work. But I don't think he's going to pick up even the nominal passing work that Jamal Williams was getting. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think that uh, Jones is going to take pretty much – well, let me rephrase this. I I think that we're writing off and not really considering – that Kylan Hill could take some of that passing work that was Jamal Williams. Hill showed to be a very, very good passing down back uh, in college. Uh, you know, last year, I think he caught 23 passes in three games before he opted out for the rest of the season. So Hill is a very, very good pass catching back. I think AJ Dillon is a guy that maybe gets a few dump offs, but I, I have Dylan at uh, RB44. The only thing I really see that's going to move Dylan up, Dylan's probably a serviceable back. But unless he all of a sudden puts up, you know, 12 or 14 or 16 rushing touchdowns, I don't think you see him go up. Now, at 245, 250 pounds, there is always the possibility that they go, you know what? Maybe we can hammer this in with him. But Aaron Jones has shown himself to be a perfectly competent goal line back. I mean, and by competent, I mean really good. He scored 25 rushing touchdowns in the past two seasons with 16 in 2019. So Aaron Jones can can run the ball. He's not he's not easy to bring down, and he's good at the goal line. So and, and he he I, I don't think he fumbles the ball much. He he's got a pretty good ball security so it's Aaron Jones's show I think that they're going to run a complimentary back and I think this season it's going to be A.J. Dillon Um, I don't hate A.J. Dillon maybe as a handcuff uh, but if I'm doing uh, uh, if I'm drafting handcuffs I'm kind of leaning now towards that philosophy of draft other people's handcuffs so that I'm not for lack of a better term wasting a roster spot but I'm not a big handcuff guy to begin with. Um, and I wasn't really big on Dylan, so it, it would be somewhat of a force. At RB44, where I currently have him ranked for redraft, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'd want him. I, I probably don't want him as higher than my RB5 or 6, so I don't know that I'd get any shares of him if he's going off as an RB4. Yeah. I don't remember where we had Aaron Jones last year when we ranked him. Oh, I don't know if we – I know we all talked about we thought he'd regress some in the touchdown department. And while he did, it wasn't much. And I, I kind of think I'm right there with him again because if Rodgers isn't there, I think they lean more on the run game. And if he is there, I still think Rod, Jones is still a massive part of that offense and is going to be a key to them continuing to – try and win that division and push for that Super Bowl that all those guys want. So I'm not moving Aaron Jones down much. He's still in my top five. I think you have him currently at five or six. So 
then I guess I'm moving him down one spot. But I think he's still going to be really good. I think Dylan's going to be a little bit more productive than maybe Jamal Williams was just because I think he's a better runner than Jamal Williams was. Kylan Hill's interesting to me. I, I just don't know. I mean, he was a sixth-round pick, if I'm remembering correctly. Maybe a seventh. I don't remember where he went off the board uh, at. I'll look. I think you're right. He was sixth. But. Yeah, he, he was late. I'm not – again, I just think that as a passing down back, he's somebody yeah. that may, may be able to uh, I'd be, put something in. He was a seventh round, 256th overall. I think he was Mr. Irrelevant. I'd be curious to see if they how much they use him. He seems like a guy who they might put back more on special teams with the way that he can play, but I, I don't know. I mean, he was a guy who had a lot of hype. Uh, I mean, after those three games, he well, a lot of people thought he should have came out the year before. He comes back for his senior year, goes into that Mike Leach offense, and everybody's like, well, how you know how good is he going to do? Had three really good games and then opted out. And, then, you know, I don't know if that necessarily helped his stock so- again. It was a weird season last year. So he went uh, 256. There were 259 picks. So he was gotcha. fourth from the end. So I, I'd be curious to see if he can steal some of that work, though. If he does, that's definitely good. I don't want to say hurt both Jones and Dylan, but obviously any touches that go away from those two is is going to you know lessen their impact at least a little bit. I think. Again, I really need to get my rankings in order because we're getting even really closer and closer to the season and, and us doing our shows on those. But I think I might have Dylan as like a high-end RB3. I, I just think with as good as I expect Green Bay's offense to be in the way that they were always switching around Jones and Williams, I think Dylan's still going to get his fair amount of work, especially, again, as Dennis mentioned earlier, if Jordan Love's in there, Dylan might see even more work. So I think that he's going to get it. We saw – a lot of times that they would pull Aaron Jones out to put Jamal Williams in during the goal line, whether it was for catching or running. And again, I think Dylan's a better runner than Jamal Williams was. I don't know if he's quite the pass catcher, so that might hurt him a little bit there. But overall, I think Dylan's still going to get a lot of work. So I think both these guys are going to be good. I don't know what Dylan's ADP is off the top of my head. So I don't know if he's a guy that I would really target in drafts. Because again, I still think he's probably going to be an RB3. Uh, but Jones, I think, is still going to be one of those guys. And last I saw, he's going like late second, sometimes early third. So if Jones is a guy I still think Dylan, is top five, six. Go ahead. Dylan is RB39 standard, RB38 PPR. Okay, so I actually wouldn't mind taking that. That's right. I think he can finish higher than that score. So uh, I think Jones. that's not not a not a bad one. Jones, I, I've got to be one of the top five RBs off the board, I would think. Uh, yeah, I think he's actually – He's RB8 standard 10 PPR. Ooh, so. so I would definitely take a shot on him because I, I still have him. Like I said, I, I haven't finished my RB1s right now. He's sitting at six is what I'm looking at. So I don't think I'm going to move him up to five. So then you're getting a little bit of a value right there with him. So he is definitely a guy to target because I, I expect whether Rodgers or Jordan Love is there, he's going to have another really good season. The wide receivers. Adams has been great. Where do we put him with and without Rodgers, Dennis? And are there any other Packer wide receivers you can rely on? Devontae Adams finished as wide receiver one overall with 115 receptions, 1,374 yards, and, of course, 18 touchdowns. Well, I have Adams going into this year as wide receiver two. Um. I might if if they go with love, I'd probably drop him down to six. Um, 
because I think Diggs, Hopkins, and Ridley are all going to get more volume. But it, at six, then he's there with A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, and D.K. Metcalf, who are all guys that are likely to not get a ton of – they're on teams that aren't going to pass the ball as much. So I think he falls into that tier uh, just based on expected passing volume. Uh I think Adams, like I said, I expect Rodgers to play. I think it's going to be status quo. Uh, it's going to be Devontae Adams and AYO, as Kirk Herbstreit used to say. Uh, if you're not familiar, that means all you others. Um, mm-hmm. You know, last season, uh, I think, what was it? Adams was uh, wide receiver one. And uh, where'd they go? Uh, Lazard was wide receiver 80. And... Where's MBS? He was somewhere around Lazard, uh, pretty far back there. So I think it would be more of the the same this year with Rodgers, um, especially because, you know, they, they've got – you know, we, we saw the Packers draft Corey Lindsley a few years ago in what, the second or third round. He stepped right in, became a great center, uh, you know, they went back to the well this year, drafted another Ohio State center. But we've also seen some uh, Ohio State line centers like Billy Price come into the league and, and not quite do so good. So I don't know if it's an automatic plug and play with Myers at center. Bakhtari's getting older, Lane Taylor. You know, so the offensive line is showing some age and they're trying to infuse it with some youth. We'll have to see if it gels and if Myers can step into that role again. Um, I expect them to, to to be a Super Bowl contender this year um, because it, it, they're going to score points with Rodgers, Adams, Aaron Jones, Robert Tunyon. You've got MVS, who's a deep threat. Uh, it, especially, you, you love MVS, especially if you're one of the drops don't matter people. Alan Lazard, you know, the wild card is Amari Rogers. I just don't think it's an automatic plug-in. He's going to come in and get 80 or 90 targets from the slot. Uh, I I don't think they run. uh, I'm not, I don't, I haven't looked it up, but it just doesn't feel to me like they run that much three wide receiver stuff um, on earlier downs. So uh, I I like MVS and, uh, uh, Lazard, I have them currently ranked at, at Lazard at 70 and MBS at 79. So I expect another season of a uh, big split between Adams and the other wide receivers. So a little bit of a SFB update. My pick did just come up. Uh, so our division has started Kelsey at one, McCaffrey at two, Mahomes at three, Kyler Murray at four, Lamar Jackson at five, Dalvin Cook at six, Derek Henry at seven. I took Josh Allen at eight, and the guy behind me just took Dak Prescott at nine. So we're kind of flying. Yeah, Josh Allen's a steal at eight. I I, I, I thought it was good too. I was, we were just talking about he would have been your pick at three. I'd have, yeah, if, if CMC hadn't fallen to me at three, I was taking Josh Allen. This morning I had a little bit of an inkling to maybe go Dak Prescott, but Allen would have been my pick. We're yeah. uh, we're currently on pick six. We're, uh, pick six, pick pick five was just made. So Matthew Barry's on the clock right now. Ours started out at Kelsey at one, Mahomes at two, and then McCaffrey at three. What could I do? I couldn't. 
I, I had to take take McCaffrey. Josh Allen at four, Kyler Murray at five. Yeah. And know. we are currently on pick. Oh, yeah, still pick one. Still, still pick one. So. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if, if any of you know who uh, uh, Halal is, H.J. Hammy, Chammy or something on uh, uh, H.J.C. Hammy. Uh, I forget how – I'm not sure how to pronounce his Twitter handle. Jonathan Taylor, 101. I, I don't hate it. I mean, nice. if you – if you feel you can go quarterback later, I don't hate it. I'm I'm interested because I'm going to be honest. I didn't. We'll get back to the Packers in a minute here, everybody. I I have not done any mocks this year because I feel like I over prepared last year. Now some of it again was me taking Chubb and Kittle in my first two picks and then losing them practically all season last year. That that really kind of killed me because the rest of my team was really good, but. I just I was like I, I felt like I over prepared a little bit. I expected certain things to happen that didn't happen. So this year I'm just trying to. I, I got the I don't remember. I think it was Addison Hayes did a little uh, like projection thing or whatever with the Scott Fishbowl stuff. I did that. I don't know if that's me. Okay, I felt like we. I was at, was I echoing for anybody else there? Is it just me? Okay, so uh, I, I I got onto his thing just to kind of see projected points and stuff like that to to look at, but I didn't do any mocks just because I was kind of trying to sit back and I'm just going to kind of take it as this draft goes. There's a lot of really good people in my division, so I'm I'm really curious to see how this goes. But Matt, uh, on the Packers wide receivers, how how are you attacking? Yeah, so I just looked. Devontae Adams ADP currently, as you might expect, one in standard, two in PPR. So you're going to pay a premium for him. If I knew Aaron Rodgers was there, I'm still fine with it. I still like Devontae Adams. Given a little bit of the uncertainty, I can't see what he's trying to I assume to he's posting all the mocks that he did. I know he was doing a bunch <laughs> of them, so. Given the, uh, the uncertainty with Rodgers – it's a little bit of a higher price to pay in redraft. I still, I, I'm with you guys. I think Devonte Adams finishes as a wide receiver one, no matter what. Um, I think he has a good shot at being wide receiver one again with Rogers. But again, we've seen in every position, it's really hard to repeat being the top. Is he going to get 18 touchdowns again? That was, that was a ton. Uh, last year. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him slide back a little bit. There are no other receivers I trust. There are going to be games where you're like, man, MVS really balled out or Alan Lazard caught a whole bunch of stuff or, you know, maybe Devin Funches returns from the, from the fantasy grave and, and has a good game, but there's no one I'm consistently relying on. If there is a Packers receiver that I'm rostering at the end of my bench, it's still MVS. No, Adams has put up double-digit touchdowns in four of the last five years. Well, but there's a huge difference between 10 and 18 when you're there talking is. about points. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm with – with. I mean, we were talking about it earlier. I'm with you guys. I, I, I would say I'm so – this sentence is a phrasing. I'm so into Adams that I think – even if it is Jordan Love, I'm not dropping him out of my top five. He's just, in my opinion, he is the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. And I don't, I think even more so with him, you know, he keeps putting out these tweets and everything. Matt, I think you posted one in our group chat about yeah. how he, he mentioned, like, what happens is going to depend on, like, it may change his future as well. Like, I think he wants to go out there regardless of who the quarterback is, put up a massive season and then just go into free agency, and if the Packers don't bring back Rodgers, maybe he moves on to another team. Like, I think he's all in. I'm trying to have the best season that he can, and I wouldn't doubt it. Outside of injury, 
I I would say even with a Jordan Love, this might sound crazy. I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes wide receiver one or two. He's he is the best player on that team if Rodgers is not starting. And if Rodgers is starting, I'm, some people may say this is crazy. I don't think Adams is that big of a step down in what he's done the past couple of years and just how good I think he is as a wide receiver from an Aaron Rodgers type. So I'm all in on Adams still. I think he's going to be phenomenal this year. As for the other wide receivers, you know, Alan Lazard was really good when he was on the field, and he had a pretty significant injury last year. MVS had his moments. I was looking at their ADP, so MVS is sitting at 269 right now, and Alan Lazard 212. So you have to pay up for Lazard by quite a few rounds if you want to go with him, but I think I feel more comfortable with him there. Now, best ball, MVS I still think is the guy because he's just going to get you those bigger games, and they may happen a little bit more frequently, but I think Lazar has a chance to be a little bit more consistent. You know, he was the guy that Rodgers was talking up last year before and, and, and during the their camps or whatever you want to call it. They didn't really have any preseason games. Uh, and then obviously gets hurt. And even before before the injury, he was good. And after a couple of games after the injury, he came back and he started to look good again. So Lazar is a guy that I'm buying in on this offense. You know, Rodgers – I mean, Amari Rodgers was good as last year at uh, Clemson. My biggest fear is if Aaron Rodgers isn't there at all practicing, they're not going to get any chemistry, and that we all know is a big thing for Aaron Rodgers. Like, he has to trust you and have that chemistry with you, so I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see much out of Amari Rodgers this year. So I am, much like last year, going in on Alan Lazard instead of MVS. We expected a Packers tight end to step up last year. Rest in peace, Jay Sternberger. I always say rest in peace, and it sounds like he passed. Not Jay Sternberger, who, is who I was hoping he was going to be. It was the guy nobody in the world was talking about, and that was Bobby Tanyan. What can can he do for an encore, Dennis? Well, for, for Tanyan, it's just going to be, can he be consistent and build on what he did last? And touchdowns was a pretty significant um, feet for somebody that kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, 52 receptions. I, I feel like that's sort of uh, five and 55 receptions and maybe eight touchdowns, uh, especially with um, the growing chemistry with Lazard and, and uh, uh, MVS. You know, they will, as the season goes on, they're going to try to get um, uh, Rogers, Amari Rogers involved a little bit. Uh, but I, I like Tanyan. He's he's in that group of tight ends from 6 to 20. Uh, he's probably in the top half of it. You know, it, it'll come down. Can he, if he can reproduce double-digit touchdowns, I think he has the opportunity to be a uh, top 10, top 8 tight end again. If he doesn't reproduce the touchdowns, he's probably going to be somewhere between 12 and 16. Yeah, I think that's the the challenge for me. Tunyon was incredibly, like, almost historically efficient. Saw 56 starts, caught 52 of them, 11 for touchdowns. And that's what bolted him up there to be tight end three. I think he was going to bounce back to the pack. Uh, regardless, currently he's going as tight end 16 in standard, 17 in PPR. I think that's a touch too low. But when I did my first pass of tight end rankings, I have him just outside of the top 12 
at 14. There's a lot of, you know, we have Kyle Pitts coming in. If you get a healthier season from Kittle, we know that the Patriots brought Smith and Henry to use. I still don't think Logan Thomas is going away. I think there's some barriers to him getting back up there, and I don't think he's going to get 11 touchdowns again. Can he be the same wildly efficient on on catches? You know, if he only sees 56 targets again, he's not a lock to get 50 receptions. And if you're talking about somebody that's now in the, you know, 40 to 45 reception range with five touchdowns, that's more of an upper end tight end too. Yeah, so I, I have him just on the edge. I have him as tight end 12 right now, being a tight end one. Again, a lot of that I do think is contingent on Rodgers. I don't think he's going to be near there if Love is the guy. I think Love is going to try and rely on Adams and probably that running game, probably his own legs more than, than a Bobby Tanyan. But if, if Rodgers is there, I don't think he has the touchdowns. I do think those go down a little bit. But, again, it, it's just so hard. Tight end is such a crapshoot, as we always talk about. I still think he has a shot to finish as that tight end one because I think the Packers' offense is going to be so good that he'll still get a decent amount of touchdowns, but 11 is a lot for a tight end. I don't expect that to happen again. So I do expect him to drop down a little bit. He's coming in at tight end at 12 for me right now. So let's talk about the Chicago Bears, a very interesting team, if not for this year, at least their future outlook. 2020, they finished 8-8 eight and eight and second in the NFC North, lost to the Saints 21-9 in the wild card round. Their key additions were Andy Dalton at quarterback, Damian Williams at running back, Marquise Goodwin, the wide receiver, Jake Butt, the tight end, Elijah Wilkinson, the offensive tackle, and Desmond Trufant, the cornerback. Their key losses, Mitch Trubisky, quarterback, goes to the Bills. Kyle Fuller, the cornerback, goes to the Broncos. Cordero Patterson, the running back slash wide receiver to the Falcons. Their draft picks, they got Justin Fields, quarterback out of The Ohio State University in the first round, and Tevin Jenkins, the offensive tackle, in the second. Matt, how hot is Matt Nagy's seat heading into 2021? I feel like I can feel the flames uh, all the way over here in in Colorado. I think uh, the criticism for Matt Nagy has been ongoing for a couple of years you have to wonder how much that surge to just make it into the playoffs really benefited him at the end of last year. There's The Bears were pretty strong his first season. seemed like it was a good hire on a good path. But we have seen a lot of frustration from people watching the team and from fans about player usage, about how the offense – developed and I think this year with him getting to draft you know moving up to draft his own quarterback in fields and bringing in Dalton getting rid of Mitch Trubisky who he was able to you know blame a lot of his uh, issues on saying this wasn't the guy I drafted isn't the guy I would have chosen kind of being able to move on if they don't have a serious run or show something pretty strong I think he and the GM could potentially be out Dennis, you agree? I agree. Yeah, so do I. I, I would not be surprised. I don't know if they fire him mid or during the season, but I, I no. if they don't make the playoffs, there's no way they I think keep them. I should say no. The only way I can see them keeping them is if they're decent this year and at some point in time Justin Fields comes in at the end of the season and plays really well and they try to do it and keep it as like a well, clearly he did a good job developing Justin Fields, and so maybe we keep him one more year to see. 
you know, I, I think Justin Fields should start from day one. No offense to Andy Dalton. I just think he's got the higher upside. If you really want to compete and try and make the playoffs, you need to put the better quarterback on the field. His seat's definitely hot, but I guess I can't say would you put, you know, knowing all the other coaches, I don't even know who's really on a hot seat off the top of my head now. Would you put him as probably the odds to be the number one, the first coach to be fired? Possibly. I'm trying to think, trying to think of who else. I mean, Adam Gase is no longer in the NFL, so I can't say his seat's no. hot. Like, I'm trying to think of who. Fan, Fangio is. Uh, yeah, like we talked about on Thursday. He's probably is, up there. Is definitely, I don't know if I'd put him yeah. as one. No, but I mean, he's definitely up there. I, mean, I can't Kingsbury, think of anything. Did you mention? Did you mention Kingsbury while I was frozen? No, but I don't think he's a. I don't think he's really on Let's a hot see. seat. They, so they that graphic that I posted, coaches potentially on the hot seat: Matt Nagy, uh, Mike McCarthy. Um, I still think that's premature, probably because of the injuries last year. I just don't see Jerry. I mean, he's, not a, he's, he's not a great coach, but I agree with Zach, you. Zach Taylor, they have done that, nothing yeah. in his tenure. That sort of makes sense. Cliff Kingsbury, uh, probably just because there's a, there's a feeling among a lot of people that they have a lot of talent and aren't, you know, making it, making it happen. Mike Zimmer, um, which I find a little harder to believe because didn't he just re-up? Yeah, last year. Yeah. Fangio, I think, is earned. And then there was other ones, according to um, Jason Lock and Four, that he thought were on the hot seat. Brian Flores, Matt LaFleur, and David Culley make no sense to me. Flores has been doing nice things with the Dolphins. They were always going to be a rebuilding project. Matt LaFleur, all he's done is go to the NFC Championship game. Makes no sense. You know, it's not his fault this thing with Rodgers has happened. And poor David Culley has the worst roster in the NFL and has never coached a game. I don't understand how he could possibly be on the hot seat. Yeah, I I agree with you with those last three. Well, well, I think the thing with Culley is that he – I don't – I don't want to say he wasn't a legitimate candidate because that's terrible, but it feels like Jim Tom Sula. Like they, they weren't ready. They, they just weren't ready. And then when they decided, okay, here's who we want. Everybody said, no, nah, man, you're a train wreck over there. We're not going. And I, I feel terrible for Cully because he's worked 40 years to put himself in a position and he literally is going to get the worst team and God knows how. I mean, I think they're gonna. They're they're they look like they might be worse than the zero and sixteen Browns and zero and sixteen Lions. What you're and, saying, Davis Mills and Randall Cobb don't strike fear in the heart of opposition. And 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 Cully, he's gonna get his one shot, and he he likely took it because it was gonna be his only shot at his age. And they, it, it, he's there. He's he's he's. It so reeks of Jim Tom Sula. Where, oh, yeah. what are we going to do? We got to give it to somebody. We can't not have a coach. Here, you take it. And that's the only reason I think Cully is on the hot seat is that he's going to have to do something miraculous with that team. Um, if the first sign that they show that they're not playing hard for him, I do think that the seat gets legitimately hot. But if they play hard for him this year, then then I think people go, yeah, I mean, okay. Houston's not a, not a great organization, but it just right yeah, it just feels. 
Well, I, I would Terrible. say I don't I don't think his seat is hot. I just don't think it's his seat, if that makes sense. Like it, mm-hmm. it's right because I, I agree with what you're saying, Dennis. Very I, I well think. Played. I don't think regardless of whether he wins, you know, like nobody expects him to go out there and win any games, right? Even if he goes out there and wins five games, they're going to bring somebody else in. I mean, I, well, I should say, if he wins six or seven games, maybe they do let him stay on there because nobody expects him to win more than one or two. But I, I don't expect him to to be the head coach of that team for long, unfortunately. And, and nothing against him. I think a lot of it is just to do what we were just talking about, how bad that roster is. There's only so much you can do to win games in the NFL with a roster like that. The best coach in the world could not go in there and, and take that team to the playoffs, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, I, I just don't think – him being on that list, I think, is a little bit of a cop-out. Now, Flores – I agree with you with, with the group he was put in there with Flores and LaFleur. I don't – LaFleur, the only reason I could see him being on the hot seat is because of all the crap he got for that call last year in the NFC Championship game. And maybe people believe that him and Rodgers still have some kind of feud. and But – it seems like he has a bigger feud with with Goonkoos than it does LaFleur. So I, I don't right. I don't understand either one of those. Fantasy finishes and fantasy projections. Assuming Dalton starts the at the outset, when do we see Fields who finishes higher for fantasy? Andy Dalton was QB thirty one last year, two thousand one hundred seventy passing yards, fourteen touchdowns, eight interceptions, and one hundred and fourteen rushing yards. What do you think, Matt? How does this QB room shake out for the twenty twenty one season? So I think Dalton is going to start to start the season, but we have talked about how hot, um, you know, potentially the seat is and looking at the schedule. So they're at the Rams. I don't feel good about Chicago. there. home for the Bengals. I, you know, I think they can win that one at the Browns. Not a great game home for the lions. You know, you could be two and two at the Raiders could be a toss up. Then you're home for the Packers. And we, we've had them talk, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how you never beat the Packers. If they luck into Jordan Love being in that game, maybe you give them a better chance. But otherwise, you know, I still think the Packers are better. Then you're at the Buccaneers, and I think it starts to get desperation time. So I wouldn't be surprised if Halloween Day home against the 49ers, you see Fields out there because I don't think they can afford to wait too long if they're not in good playoff position with Andy Dalton. Yeah, it's uh, I I think from a talent perspective, it should be Fields. It should easily be Fields. But from a history perspective, Dalton is the best quarterback they've had in a long, long time. Um, and it's the old, I, I think it's a floor versus ceiling sort of mentality they're taking. And there's going to be some thought that says our defense is defense number X, whether it's two, five, seven. It's a good, pretty good defense, I think. And and they say, well, if our defense can play at a top eight level, Andy Dalton can put us in position to win games. Uh, if our defense is playing at a bottom eight level, Andy Dalton is not going to be the reason we win games. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, Justin Fields, from all offseason reports I've seen, has handled himself really, really well. And, and I think sometimes as coaches, you just have to look at a situation and go, you know, we tra- we drafted this guy here for a reason. We believe in him. Um, I appreciate everything you brought to the team, Andy, but we're, we're going to go with the rookie. And I need you to be a, a solid veteran and be ready. So. 
Yeah, I mean, I really think that's the route they're going to go. I mean, we we talked a lot about it on the the um, the draft day coverage, and then Matt, I know me and you've talked a little bit about it here and there throughout the off season stuff because a lot of people keep comparing it. Because Matt Nagy talked about the Rodgers and not Rodgers, I'm sorry, the Mahomes and Alex Smith stuff because he was at Kansas City when that happened. The difference is, in my opinion, Andy Dalton is not Alex Smith. I mean, Alex Smith was consistently taking a very good Chiefs team and was playing very good to the playoffs before they drafted Patrick Mahomes. I just don't think Dalton has it in him. I understand he took Cincinnati Bengals teams to the playoffs and and all that, but you're not in the AFC North where at the time Cleveland was, for being all, you could bully the, the bully that kid on the block. There were times that the Ravens teams were down a little bit. You know, I think there was one year in there, Pittsburgh was, I don't think they were down, but they weren't the top of the division. Like the Bengals, have, you don't have that in the NFC North. Like, yeah, maybe who's the team I'm one team I'm thinking about, not the Vikings. Uh, my goodness, who's the team I'm not remembering here? Because I don't think they're going to be that good. The Bears, the Packers. The Ravens. The, the, oh, the no, Lions. No. Lions, there we go. The Lions are not going to be very good, but I expect the Vikings to bounce back a little bit this year. Their defense getting all those players back and healthy. I already like to shit on Kirk Cousins. He's still a pretty decent quarterback. They've got one of the best wide receivers in the NFL and Justin Jefferson, a good running game, a decent offensive line. Like This is going to be a very competitive division, and if you want to make the playoffs, if you want to keep your job, you've got to win games. You know, floor be damned. Justin Fields has the higher ceiling. I, I would not be surprised if Dalton starts the season – and again, I'll say selfishly because I'm going to be at that week three game. I want to see Justin Fields starting by then. But if Dalton goes out there week one and gets his, you know what, kicked in by the Rams, I would not be surprised if by week two we see Justin Fields out there. I just think, like I said, they need to win. I think they know that they're on the hot seat. I don't think, well, you know, go ahead. And that's that's what I was going to say. The biggest difference between the Kansas City situation with the Mahomes and Smith and where you are in Chicago is there was no chance Andy Reid was getting fired yeah. if things didn't work out there. There's every chance that if Matt Nagy, you know, rolls Andy Dalton and we see another Nick Foles in Chicago situation where they're an atrocity to watch, that he's, you know, he's signing his own walking yeah. papers. Yeah, so I, I do think we, we will see Justin Fields sooner rather than later. So I'm ranking him ahead of Andy Dalton as well. You know, I, And I, I'm going to stick to that this year. I said that last year with Justin Herbert. Came true, and I did not rank Justin Herbert very favorably. Favorably this year, I will do that with Justin Fields because I do think he's going to start and he's going to have a really good season. David Montgomery ended 2020 on a tear. Can he keep it up? Damian Williams has been added to the fray, and Tariq Cohen should be back. Does any of this matter, Dennis? Uh, Montgomery ended up finishing his RB4, 247 carries, 1,070 yards, eight touchdowns, 54 receptions for 438 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Well, I think Montgomery is going to take a hit to the passing game. Uh, that's that's a Tariq Cohen specialty. Uh, I do think Montgomery will have a similar game, uh, a similar season on the ground. He's probably in line in 17 games. He rushed, carried the ball 247 with eight touchdowns last year. It wouldn't surprise me for him to get 260, 265 this year. Um, it wouldn't surprise me for him to get 220 or 215 with Damian Williams getting a few carries. 
I don't think Tariq Cohen gets much uh, in the way of carries on the ground. Very, very similar to the kind of uh, stuff Darren Sproles used to do. But I could see Cohen getting 70 targets and, and being productive in 70 targets. I've got Cohen at RB41, so as an RB4, uh, and Montgomery at 20, so a, a low-end RB2. Uh, and that's primarily, I mean, it, it's because I don't expect Montgomery to have the kind of production in the passing game that he had last year. I like Montgomery. I think he's a solid back. He's outproduced Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs from his class, I think, at this point. Though uh, I, I think the only reason he's had better years than Jacobs is because John Gruden just won't use him uh, like he could. Uh, I think Jacobs is a better – you know, Jacobs isn't uh, Jordan Howard when it comes to catching the ball, but John Gruden is just John Gruden in him. So uh, I like Montgomery. If I can get him – if I can get him uh, – after that ADP, if I'm get if, if I see Montgomery sitting there and in the uh, you know running back 24, 25 draft, I think that's a, a good value for him. Yeah, I mean, if Damian Williams scared you off of David Montgomery, you never believed in David Montgomery. I wouldn't be surprised if, if they use Williams some, um, but I don't think he's a huge factor. I like Tariq Cohen. I've liked his skill set. I just don't, you know, we haven't seen Matt Nagy really figure out how to use him in the offense. And I don't know if that improved in the year that he pretty much missed with injury. I think he will catch some passes. He'll be on the field. Uh, Damian Williams will be on the field a little bit. Uh, I have Cohen as an RB five right now. I'm at 53. Um, I, I just don't know if he's going to make enough of an impact. Montgomery, I think, his probably his biggest challenge has been Matt Nagy and the play calling. You know, when they commit when they committed to running the ball down the stretch last year, we saw some pretty fantastic results. When they committed to having Montgomery out there, he he made catches, he made yardage. They also played a pretty weak schedule um, down the stretch, which may have aided him a little bit. That being said, I, I think he'll come back. I, I don't think he's an RB one. He's certainly probably not going to finish as RB four again. I have him right now at 18. You know, I think middle middle tier RB2 feels about right. Um, and that's where I've seen him drafted a lot. So I, th- I think he's a decent value there. I don't think he's going to fall off. Some people have said it was, you know, that now with everybody back coming into it, he was going to drop out. But he's currently going as RB21 in standard and 20 in PPR. I think he'll finish a little bit above that. Yeah, I'm at 16, so I'm with you, Matt. I mean, obviously, phenomenal season last year. He's a guy that Dennis and me both really liked coming out of that draft class, uh, and he did have a good year last year. You know, funny, Matt, uh, Matt, you just mentioned the Matt Nagy and the play calling thing. I mean, you go back the past couple seasons, and Nagy was, like, yelling at reporters at times. So I'm like, yes, yes, I know, I know, I need to run the ball more, and yet yeah, he's still – I'm not an idiot. I think we're yeah, in his exact quote. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> that he still didn't go out and run the ball more. We finally saw that last year. I do think having – again, if Justin Fields ends up playing as much as I expect him to, 
that could help out a David Montgomery because of what Justin Fields can do with his legs as well. That gives the defense another player to account for. I actually do think that hurts Tariq Cohen a lot as well, though. One of the big knocks on Justin Fields, one of the few in my opinion, was he did not check down a lot. We really didn't see him do that. Until the end of the season, we saw Trey Sermon really start getting these catches. So maybe he'll do it in the NFL. We know Nagy will still scheme up probably some RB screens and everything for Tariq Cohen. But I think with Fields, once he goes through his reads, he's more willing to to do something with his legs or try and make a play happen than dump off to Tariq Cohen. So I think that could hurt Cohen a little bit because I agree he's not going to get the rushing work. I don't really care about Damian Williams being there. Uh, You know, that doesn't factor for me at all. Riddle me this, Batman. So with Justin Fields last year at Ohio State, yes. do you think that the the lack of checking down early was a function of the team's belief, the team, i.e. Ryan Day, his belief in Master Teague's ability to catch the ball versus Trey Sermon's ability to catch the ball? Not necessarily, because even when Sermon was in there, there were times that he could have checked down and he didn't. Now, again, I don't know that's – I don't know how much of that is also the offense. You being a Buckeye fan as well, you know that they liked to go down the field. They like to stretch the field. So I don't know how much of that was field. I mean, he is a superior athlete when he's on the field. So some of that I do think was him. We saw many times him buying time to get the ball down the field to Olave and Wilson. Those are their playmakers. So I'm not saying that can't happen at the NFL level. That's, I'm not saying he's never checked down in his life. We didn't see him really start doing it until it got later into the season. It was like the, the Northwestern game was a big one. And then um, what was uh, – who was it? Clemson. He checked down a lot to to Sermon in the Clemson game. So we saw him do it, but I didn't see enough of it even his first year. It, it, that technically, I guess, his sophomore season, even though he didn't really play as a freshman for Georgia. Uh, with the Buckeyes, he didn't do anything. They had Jake uh, – no, he didn't have J.K. that year, did he? Am I misremembering? No. He did. Uh, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, he, he, did. Did. yeah, yeah. yeah he had J.K. Yeah, it was J.K. and T. Even then, he didn't check down as much to J.K. Dobbins, and we know J.K. was a good receiving back. So it's not that he can't do it. I, I'm not going to ever say anything negative about Justin Fields because I do think that he is, the, in my opinion, better than Trevor Lawrence. I've said that. I'll stick with that. I'm just curious as to how much that will affect Tariq Cohen moving forward because I don't think he'll be out there in certain situations. I think it's going to be David Montgomery. So that being said, though, David Montgomery, I think, does take a little bit of a step back, had really easy competition, as Matt just mentioned, the back half of the season. We've seen Ryan Day just has this propensity to throw the ball. He does not like to run the ball that much. So all that combined with Tariq Cohen coming back will take away some of his targets, as well as Dennis mentioned. I think Montgomery takes a step back. I have him at 16. Would I be surprised if he finishes right around the 10 to 12 range and is an RB1? No, not at all. But I, I don't think he finishes his RB4. That, I think, is a, a little bit of a stretch. For me, do either one of you see him breaking, let's just say, top 5, 8? Like, does that – I know it may be in the range of outcomes, but, like, how comfortable would you feel, like, betting money on it? I, I wouldn't bet money on it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just want to double-check, so. I mean, if, if – Cohen goes and blows out his other knee in training camp, then then I think you go, okay, well, then it's a much higher but, probability. But right. to be fair, this time last year, we probably all would have said we wouldn't bet money on him finishing top five of his 0% chance, too. That's, you yeah. know, feels a weird place. But that is very true. 
All right, the wide receivers. Where does Allen Robinson finish, and how about Mooney? Is there any hope for Anthony Miller here, Matt? So Allen Robinson finishes wide receiver nine with 102 receptions, 1,250 yards, and six touchdowns. Darnell Mooney, wide receiver 50 with 61 receptions, 631 yards, and four touchdowns. Obviously, there were all the rumors about them trading Anthony Miller during the draft. Never happened. So those are the three guys now with a Dalton slash possible fields mix here. How do you see the wide receivers coming together? So I still like Allen Robinson. Um, I currently have him at wide receiver seven um, where I'm sitting. I think he he's a wide receiver one. We've seen him be team-proof, quarterback-proof with much worse passing options uh, than what he's got now. I think he's going to be fine. I think Mooney will take a little bit of a step up. He was a nice uh, wide receiver 50 finish last year. I think he will be more in the upper – 40s, uh, maybe even the lower 30s, probably just inside the wide receiver four range. Miller, they're going to keep him. Um, I I had hopes a few years ago, but I don't think that's ever going to pan out. The fact that they were openly shopping him is a pretty good indication um, that he's he's not going to be a big factor. You know, they signed Goodwin. They have a few other people that will sprinkle in there. But I, for fantasy purposes, it's Allen Robinson is a clear value. And then um, I think Mooney has some potential to make a little bit of a step forward. Yeah, Robinson is is who we know who he is. He's an alpha wide receiver. He we've seen him be successful with terrible quarterback play for virtually his entire career, going back to Penn State. So I have him uh, ranked at QB 10 or wide receiver 10 right now. Um, the only issue I have with Mooney was we, we saw Anthony Miller come on two years ago and then fade last year. You know, is, is Nagy, you know, from that Andy Reid tree, is that a um, – is it – is it does it feel like it's another – one great wide receiver supporting offense and then two or three guys that sort of just fill in and you never know which one, like in Kansas city with Andy Reid, I think we see that in, in uh, uh, green Bay I, I, with their offense setup. So is it, how, how, how comfortable are you? Even if Mooney builds on his breakout last year, how comfortable are you that he's going to get the targets? I have him as wide receiver 53 going into the season. Uh, that may move before the rankings become official. Uh, I have Anthony Miller at 83, but it wouldn't surprise me if those were flipped. We, we've seen. Or it's the Daz Newsom breakout season. Miller flash a, a first round or early second round wide receiver draft pick. He ends up with a, um, you know, it's his third year. He, third year in the same system traditional when wide receivers kind of start to break out so miller could take that step this year and, and mooney could regress uh i don't i, I like alan robinson if if uh, i'm looking at either of the others i'm i'm kind of backed off and sort of waiting to see if they fall for fall to me um but they're they're purely depth plays yeah i'm all in on robinson he's you know whether Dalton or Fields is his his starter, they're they're two of the better quarterbacks he's had like his entire career. So so I definitely think Robinson is going to continue to be a top ten wide receiver. Mooney is interesting to me because 
if Fields starts, I have more faith in Mooney continuing his breakout than if Andy Dalton does. Uh, I just don't see Dalton chucking the ball down the field to Mooney the way he was successful last year. I mean, that's one of the things that Mitch Trubisky missed him so much on deep throws last year. I don't think Justin Fields does that. And I think that's one of the reasons why so many people are hyping up Mooney this offseason and why he's going so high in these dynasty drafts because they all know, well, Justin Fields is the future there. So he should be able to continue to break out. But if Dalton starts six, seven, eight games, I don't think Mooney's going to score that many points. So it's going to be hard to rank him. I haven't done my wide receiver ranks yet. So it's kind of hard to, to guess where I'm going to have him. You know, we talked a little bit about this, I think, on Thursday's episode, Matt, just how deep wide receiver is. We were talking about Cortland Sutton and how, you know, we think he's going to have a really good year. And even then it's kind of hard to slot him in certain places because of how deep that position is. So, And, and while it definitely has a moment where it falls off, not knowing if Fields is going to be the starter day one is going to be hard for me to rank Mooney very high because I just I think Dalton is going to hold him back much like Mitch Trubisky did last year. So are we forgetting about their key wide receiver free agent signing though, uh, listed as their starting slot receiver, Marcus Berg? Oh. Demir Berg. No. No, I'm not. No, I mean, if you want to rank him, go ahead. I'm not going to. I, I'm, I think I, I'm good. I, I, I'm sure I got him ranked. I just can't find him. Yet. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, so at the tight end position, Jimmy Graham had a solid 2020, and he's back. But does Cole Komet take over in 2021? Where does the top tight end finish? Jimmy Graham finishes tight end 13 with 50 receptions, 456 yards, and eight touchdowns. Matt, does Cole Komet end up taking over this job? Is it still Jimmy Graham's year? Komet had a a better finish uh, to the year. You know, we started seeing him get more involved. It can often take a little bit of time for rookie tight ends to come along. I would feel better about Komet's shot if uh, Jimmy Graham was gone, but it doesn't seem like he's uh, going away. Uh, and Graham had a pretty decent season um, last year, got a lot of touchdowns. I think they're both going to play. I still think Komet will end up finishing higher, but I have him as the low end tight end two and Graham as a tight end three. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on those rankings. I have Komet at 19 and Graham at 33. I think Graham is going to be Boyd solely on, he's going to have a couple two touchdown games where he catches you know, three passes for five yards and two touchdowns kind of thing. And that's going to boost Graham up the, the rankings. Uh, his, you know, his athletic ability has waned at this point in his career. Will Komet break out? It, I think it comes down to will he get the volume um, last year? What they uh, see, Komet had 44 targets and Graham had 76. If, if, if they swap that, uh, you know, Graham had a 66% catch rate on 76 targets, so 50 for 456 and eight touchdowns. I I could see Komet putting up that kind of year. It, you know, he he looked he's looked good, so I, I don't I don't uh, see that as being something that's that far fetched. Yeah, his, I expect his ADP is uh, tight end 20 in PPR, so. It's a little higher than I would like for somebody that so hasn't was, really gotten Graham, a great shot. Graham was tight end 13 last year. so. But it could be a little bit like an Irv Smith, Kyle Rudolph situation for a couple of years. We knew Irv Smith is the better player, but 
sometimes just having least, another guy out there prevents you from getting the opportunity. Maybe a year. I don't know if Jimmy Graham's got much longer. I mean, I, I keep thinking every year he goes into the season, it's his last year. But yeah, I, I think Cole Komet surpasses him at least a little bit this year. Not, I'm going to be honest, neither guy I'm trusting very much are guys I want to be my starting tight ends on my roster. But if I had to pick one, I'm still going Cole Komet. I think he's going to be a little bit better. So that'll do it. For our NFC North coverage, I wanted to give you guys uh, a little bit of heads up. So in our Slack channel for the Campus to Can group, we are talking about our drafts right now. So in the Otis Re- Redding, I don't, I'm don't. i going to be honest, I don't know who that is. Don't shoot sitting me. Sitting on I, the dock of the bay? You don't know I sitting on the dock of the bay? Don't listen to music. I don't oh, listen to music. R&B? Oh. I don't listen to music, guys. Look, I'm just, I'm just being honest. I don't no, listen to music. I so I, it's worth all day long for me. So I'm just saying. But uh, the first three picks in his that have all gone off the board at the moment is Mahomes, Kelsey, McCaffrey. Then in the NSYNC division, I do know who NSYNC is. Uh, Mahomes, of course you Allen. do. Okay, that, of course that's you that's do. a bigger indictment. You no, that's know, only because with, okay, I have a couple of NSYNC hey. albums. Okay, I mean, I've, I've, I've only heard it because that was like my time growing up. Like, I didn't always not listen to music. I listened to music when I was younger. I was big and popular. Nowadays, I don't listen to anything. So, I, like back then, I didn't really listen to a lot of older music. Uh, it was Mahomes, Allen, Kyler were the top three picks. Austin just got Kelsey, it looks like, in his, as he just posted in our uh, chat here at the thing. Then Jarek in the David Bowie division. I know who David Bowie is, so, you know, if that makes you feel any better, I do know that. Uh, He got – it went to CMC, which was him, at 101, then Dak, Kelsey, Mahomes. So Mahomes went at four in that. That is very interesting. So, yeah, Austin, if you're still watching – Okay, Kelsey went at four with CMC, Mahomes, Dalvin, Cook, Kelsey. Wow. So these drafts are kind of outside of obviously Mahomes and CMC being up here in the top of like everybody's drafts. So very, uh, very interesting. So, and mine right now, mine has kicked off with, uh, hang on, let me pull it up. Oh, yeah, one one's still on the clock. So never mind. Um, so, I was going to yeah. say, they said there's over a thousand first timers in, in this year's draft. And I think. You know, we all talked about lessons we learned last year, a similar format and scoring structure this year. I think what you might be seeing is people who are used to redraft leagues, um, but not maybe understanding how the scoring here is going to yeah. really impact some of these positions. Because if you were in a normal redraft league, you're probably not taking a tight end yeah, in the first round. Be- you're probably not worried about... I mean, super flex, you're always taking a quarterback. But I think that's why you're seeing some of these running backs kind of going up. Well, that's going to be interesting. I don't know about you guys. I, I assume Dennis probably doesn't in his. Uh, but I have four fans in mine and then, like, a bunch mm-hmm. of, like, heavy hitter analysts. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how that goes with the, with the stuff. Again, so we're still waiting. 101 still on the clock. No big deal. It's only been a couple of hours. But – we, I have eight fans in my group. Oh, okay. There you go. Nice. Yeah, we ha- there's. Uh, it's mostly fans in our group, and I think when they did the the hands count, there was six first timers, which would be half the field. We just completed the first round, um, so in ours, just keep I, rubbing I, it I went, in. Just keep. Rubbing I went it Allen in, at eight, deal. then Dak Prescott went nine, Justin Herbert went ten, Alvin Kamara went eleven, Ezekiel Elliott went twelve, waiting for uh, the wraparound for him to grab uh, another player. So four more picks, and then I'll be up again. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're well, hey, five but, picks. 
threw five picks. Uh, Matthew Barry is on the clock right now. So we went Kelsey Mahomes. I got CMC at three, then Josh Allen and Kyler Murray. And that, who who was picked in your division, Matt? Uh, we're, oh, number one, 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 one's still on the clock. So by the time we get to Thursday's show, we might be at my pick in the second round at that point. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, it's I can't wait to see what happens, but holy crap. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, probably West Coaster still sleeping. Well, you know how it's it is. in Hawaii. Uh, it's five a.m. I'm not gonna. Ready. Yeah, you know, I'm not gonna. You know, make a big deal about it yet. It's still there, but I mean, All obviously, right, so if, you're, if you're in Hawaii and you're the 101, there is absolutely no excuse to pre-draft. But actually, I there's no excuse it. to pre-draft 101. Period. You should know who you. I mean. Yeah, it's not like you were waiting to see what 101 was going to do. So you no, the only excuse is you don't understand how MFL works. So you can't figure oh, out how to make a pre-draft list, which is my knowing case. Knowing who 101 is, there is no doubt. There's no shot that they don't know how MFL works. This is a big, big-name guy. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus because I, I feel like, you know, me joking about yeah, this, right. I don't really care. No, no, he's not in my division. But I will say really quick before we get out of here, for those of you still watching, uh, make sure to tune into the Scott Fishbowl Podathon if you guys can. They've got a bunch of great guests going on there. Uh, we at Camps to Canton are sponsoring the Women's Power Hour with Sam Holt, stepmom Lauren uh, at the nine o'clock, and then Stephanie Smalls and Linda Lyons at one a.m. And then you can watch me and Austin bright and early if you really want to wake up at three thirty a.m. Eastern time uh, tomorrow morning. We'll be on talking about Camps to Canton. So excited about that. Excited about waking up at like two o'clock in the morning. My time is super thrilled, but it's going to be fun. I'm going to have to that much earlier than you wake up for work. Yeah, I mean, it's only an hour, but you know, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to schedule my sleep schedule tonight. Like, I'm hoping I can like go throw myself in bed at like eight and sleep because usually I go to bed at like 11. I can't do that tonight. There is no going to bed at 11 and waking up at two. I'll be dead tired. So Uh, it'll be fun though. You only live once, pull an all nighter. (laughs) You know, that's what they, oh, God, no. Uh, I'm too old for that now. I can't even, like, most nights I get to 12 and I'm looking at my wife like, can we go to bed, please? It's too late. Like, I'm too old. Let's just say, no, no, I'm not doing it, Austin. I'm not doing it. You can stay up all night. I think you have off work tomorrow. I can't do it. Can't do it. I got to get up and then go to work after that. And, you know, I'm not trying to kill anybody. So, all right, that'll do it for us today, though. Matt and myself will be back talking. I already forgot the teams again. Vikings and Lions on Thursday. I will do my best to see the new episode of Loki that drops on Wednesday so we can talk two episodes. Obviously, some major revelations in the last episode. Episode Was that episode three, right, that we haven't four. talked about? Four. Episode four, which Matt and my, my, myself did not get a chance to talk about last week, so we will definitely talk about that on Thursday as well. And we will update you guys as we get around to my second pick in Scott Fishbowl on Thursday because that's the way it looks like it's heading. And then Matt and Dennis can leave us some notes on how his draft's going as well. We'll talk about that on Thursday. Until then, everybody, enjoy. If you're off, the holiday. And we'll talk to you guys again soon. Later. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your pop on there. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play?